To close it now, an HVAC sales training podcast with Sam Wakefield. Here, we'll build your reputation in residential HVAC sales to be the expert influencer in your market. You'll get insight into the top minds in the industry as they share their skills and hacks to help you on your journey. This podcast isn't just about selling more. It's about understanding your customers' needs and building efficiencies behind the scenes so you can sell more but work less while being top of mind when people think HVAC. Now, let's get started with your host of the Close It Now podcast. This is Sam Wakefield. All right. Welcome, everybody. This is Close It Now. I'm really excited about this episode today. Today, we've got a special guest, Mike Claudio. He is a freaking expert rock star trainer, business coach. He is a sales expert. In, and this is the cool part. I came across him on YouTube the other day. So if you haven't checked out Mike Claudio on YouTube, definitely go check out his channel. He has some amazingly great content. His focus is for construction and general contractors and that and just basically general uh, general construction overall. And I was so excited to come across him though, because so many things that he talks about, I talk about, and it's the similarities started to really hit home with me because just made me realize the philosophy is the same. You know, you guys, when, when we're out in the world, when we're doing what we're doing, there, there's some common themes for success. There's some common themes for, there's the expression, success leaves clues. And when you find those clues, you follow those as far as they can take you, because that's how you learn, that's how you grow, that's how you become better. So I'm super excited today. Uh, Mike's got 15 years uh, experience in sales. He's got over seven, year, seven plus years in the construction industry. Um, he's take, coached and taken several businesses. And here's the cool part, in multiple trades, not just in one thing, in multiple trades, he's grown up to over seven figures. That's, that's a million bucks, guys, a million bucks a year. That's, that's a big number. Also, in his own sales, he's thrown up some massive numbers. At a roofing project, $1.2 million for one single project. Also, had so in remodeling, sold a remodeling project for just under half a million bucks. So those are some pretty rock star numbers in anybody's world. And so I'm super excited to welcome today Mike Claudio. Mike, how you doing, man? Good, man. Appreciate it. Excited to be here. That's a, that's a hell of an intro. Um, yeah, dude. Well, you, it's a hell of a reputation, man. But I'll, I'll be honest. I know there's a lot of people out there that tout big numbers, but I'd like to give some context to those throughout this call and what those really meant to those businesses when I sold them. Because like it's easy to say I close a bunch of big projects, but most of those came after 18 to 24 months of selling little shit and growing and growing the brand and growing our message and growing our identified client, which I know we're going to get into today. But you know, I'm not some like, oh, I only close big projects. Like Those were the, some of the biggest ones I closed after months, if not years of doing the right thing consistently. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of tools out there that like, oh, I close million dollar projects every month. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. you know, like, you know, like that's a, I've sold $1,500 repairs and I've sold $1.2 million roofs. And so right. I kind of know all aspects of residential and somewhat commercial construction in what these people are dealing with and how they make decisions at kind of all sides of it. Because I didn't start selling big projects. I started selling repair work 
for a remodel company and then started selling $40,000, $60,000, $150,000. And then, you mm-hmm. know, I capped out before I left that company about a half million dollar projects. There's a lot you learn that I learned the hard way that kind of led to why I coach the way I do because I trying to shorten that failure gap for a lot of salespeople and business owners in the industry because dealing with homeowners is it's tough. It is. It is. So we, it's definitely something we all know that, and as you know, the, uh, the focus of close it now, we are uh, predominantly HVAC, uh, but also we've got, you know, some other trades, plumbing, electrical. I have a, a big fan, uh, shout out to JP. He's a, uh, he sells cars. He's in the automotive industry and he loves my podcast. He says, okay, the philosophy is the same. Anytime you say air conditioner, I just, in my mind, substitute it with car and because it works. And as you, and just like we're you know, talking about right now, the philosophy is the same. It's about yeah. serving people. It's about solving problems in a way that no one else is willing to do the due diligence to solve the problems. And it's also understanding who those people are because right. everybody's not your ideal client. And I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions in this industry is like, everybody with a home is a good referral for me. No, it's not. A <laughs> 110% agree. Uh, that's awesome. So um, yeah, so we were talking the other day and one of the things that we had covered is your uh, your philosophy surrounding the four pillars of what makes a great sales call? Just basically, in general, not just a great sales call, but mm-hmm. the the basically the super approach. nuts of yeah. the whole process. As and so, I, I'd definitely like to go into that a little bit today and uh, give everyone just a really good feel for the that philosophy that you have, what what you teach in your courses and your trainings and stuff. So when I got into the industry, it was like 2012, 2013 timeframe. And like the world of social media is not what it was today, like funnels and ad spend and Google ads and Facebook funnels and all this other stuff. Like it was around, but it wasn't as relevant as it was today. So I I took several businesses and grew them by seven figures um, without spending a dollar on leads, like Mm -hmm. without spending really much money on, on, marketing in its in its normal sense. Wow, so, that's amazing. So what I teach and what I go over is really around relationship building and outbound sales, like prospecting, outbound social media engagement, referral partner creation, networking, branding, investing in the marketplace in your region, but not really like, hey, I'm just going to put a bunch of money on the internet and I'm going to help whatever leads come my way. So that is a unique approach where a lot of people right now, you know, I'm sure have you seen it. There's a lot of people that are touting like, hey, just spend money on ads and you'll get leads. And that just wasn't my approach. So I kind of built, took my experience from corporate America and kind of blended it into this industry and kind of came up with the four main pillars that we'll call them as far as what I focus on the most, which is identify, target, qualify, and acquire. And basically it's identify what an ideal project looks for you demographically, psychographically, project type, understand how to target them through prospecting, networking, referral partner creation, Mm-hmm. Um, then what to do to qualify that lead when it comes in, because we've all wasted time on crappy clients and then you found out too late. So how to yeah. properly qualify them, not just once they call in, but how do you use your messaging in your, in your social media and your mar- and your website and other campaigns that you might do to help qualify in the right clients and out the wrong clients. And then, you know, what do you do to differentiate yourself before, during, and after, you know, in-home sales consultations to mm-hmm. differentiate yourself to close the deal? And I think if you can do those four things effectively, at least I've personally proven this through my own personal efforts and then through coaching other companies, you will grow more sustainably. You may not spike overnight because you just got a bunch of leads, but the problem is, is that 
in my opinion, leads are getting more expensive and lower quality because these lead sourcing companies, yep. like the Angie's List and Home Advisors of the world, make money by selling leads. So they have to have more leads to grow their revenue. Mm-hmm. And they're yeah, not absolutely. qualifying. They're basically Our, saying, hey, are you willing to say you're interested and we're going to go sell your interest to a bunch of people? Yeah. And we all had incredibly terrible, you know, there's lawsuits all over the country right now against companies like that for falsely advertising mm-hmm. and providing like incredibly poorly qualified opportunities. So I'm more about hunting and going out and doing the right things and building the relationships on my own efforts as opposed to like casting a line, putting some bait on it and hoping somebody bites. Right. It's, it's a little bit of a different approach, but it's not for everybody. If you're, if you're not comfortable being on camera, you're not comfortable being in front of people, like it would help you a lot to learn what I teach, but it's not for everybody, you know, mm-hmm. but for the people who are out there, I'm not a door knocker. I'm not, I'm more of a relationship builder. I'm not a one call close guy. I'm a, you know, soft close and then follow up. Like I'm right. I don't think homeowners in general right now, they're, the environment has taught them that they can make decisions in their own timeline. What I coach on is how to use and implement your sales process, by, but within their timeline, really driving your process, but letting them control the speed. Because I mean, I'll tell you right now, 40 plus percent of my sales over the six or seven years that I was doing it personally came from follow-up directly. Mm-hmm. And I sold over $10 million in projects, which so follow-up equated to $4 million approximately in sales over a five to six year period. Mm-hmm. And that is the primary focus is how do I create a good experience, communicate proactively, communicate professionally, guide them through a very tactical in-person consultation, and then follow up the right way to get to close the deal when they're ready. Because the minute you force somebody into making a decision in person, the buyer's remorse is real. And they feel, I think homeowners feel icky about it. They don't feel like they're not going to refer you to somebody else because they don't want you to push them into doing something they're not prepared to right. do. You consult them through the process and help them educate them on what is and is not a good idea. You'll lose projects that will come back and say, hey, I hired the other guy, but can you come fix what they did? Like that <laughs> happened a ton of it. Oh my gosh, yeah. They just knew I was going to give them the honest answer. Like, I'm not going to tell them what they want to hear to close the deal. I'm going to give them the uh-huh. accurate information to make an educated decision. Right. And when you do that, you really create more of a better user experience. Yeah, I have a, a actually a very, very similar story. I, I did a, uh, quoted a project for a gentleman and the, it ended up going with somebody else. That, you know, he was like, you know what? I like you. Everything was great. The presentation was great. The info was great. The project's great. But I went with the, this other guy because he was a lot cheaper. And it was about six months later, his neighbor calls me and says, hey, you're a referral from, uh, from my neighbor. And I started looking back at my records. I'm like, wait a minute, he didn't go with us. He's, and so when I got over there, he says, yeah, he, uh, he told me that he recommended you, even though he didn't use you, and said, absolutely do not use the company that he used because it was nothing but headaches and trouble. And so I ended up getting a, a fantastic sale out of the, the neighbor because that happens, that happens of, more often than not, man. Yeah, because of integrity and service and just solving problems. So yeah, let, so I'd like to circle back kind of where you started with, because I know one of the big hot topics right now in, the, in our environment and in the world, especially with all the coronavirus and COVID-19 and all this craziness that's going on, is it, it's kind of feast or famine right now with the companies that I'm working with. I'm either hearing like our company is, we've just had record-breaking month. But then I'm, that's not the majority. The majority of, cl- of companies out there and uh, people in the industry, in all the industries, are having a hard time getting the phone to ring. So 
let's circle back on that the kind of what you were talking about about the the gorilla ways to acquire leads acquire clients and customers without having to dump a lot of money into marketing and ad spend and that kind of thing because i know our company our average cost per lead is about six hundred dollars per lead that comes in in our marketplace and it's enormous that's a big number um, so yeah it's a huge number um so we do everything we can to try to, of course, get uh, referrals and that kind of stuff. But what are some ways to do that a bit better? I know everyone is really wanting to know that right now. You know, the, the unfortunate reality is it's not quick. Like, you know, the tactics that I use are not fast. But what happens is like companies that are thriving right now are the ones that put in the right work to build a relationship with their market over the last three to six months. They're working through a pipeline that was built up because of value they put in. People who are just waiting on the next lead, when that faucet turns off, your business turns off. And that's why I've seen businesses doing four to five million go bankrupt in three months because they were spending $40,000 a month on freaking leads. When the leads dry up, it doesn't matter how much money you have, there just aren't leads there. But there's still people making decisions. And what I really coach on in, and this isn't a new theory, and I'm, I'm not taking credit for this, but like people buy from they know, like, and trust. Mm-hmm. Well, the best way to get people to know, like, and trust you is to pour into your market with content that is entertaining and educational. Mm-hmm. So if you're saying, like, I don't like the way I look on camera, you're losing right now. Right. <laughs> right. And, you know, get it, you know, so suck it up, good. Buttercup. But here's the thing, and this always makes me laugh. But if you're sitting on, if you're listening right now saying, yeah, I hate the way I look on camera. What do you think you look like in people's homes when you're selling them? It's the, it's the same, same right? It's the same face. And if you don't like it on camera, you sure as well don't like it in person because you can't even edit it, right? Like, <laughs> so, so that, that, that's always made me laugh a little that people are like, I don't like the way I look on camera. Well, what do you think you look like in person? It's the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but absolutely. what you need to be doing is putting out consistent content on your platforms, whichever one you're on, start with the one you're most comfortable with and create some sort of a content tree to start to build a relationship with your audience. And anybody who's been on social media for any period of time has built relationships with somebody they don't know that they feel like if they saw in person that they'd be friends with. Right. Your audience is no different with you. And what happens is, is that people who relate to the way you communicate, the way you think, the way you problem solve, the way that you articulate, become better clients because they already know that they like the way you communicate and people who don't like the way you communicate or the way you think or the way you problem solve won't call you. Mm-hmm. Well, who wants to work with somebody who doesn't like the way you operate? Those are really challenging clients, but people are afraid to qualify out because mm-hmm. of the feast or famine or scarcity mindset of, I don't know where my next lead's coming from. Well, if you fall in love with the process of building a machine that gives you leads, you're not worried about the leads. You're worried about the content. Mm-hmm. You know, most you know, this is a stat that kind of surprised me even I learned over the last year or so is of everybody who will ever buy from you, only 6% are ready to make a decision right now. Wow. That's amazing. So 60 to 70% will make a decision in the next six months. Mm-hmm. So if you're not putting content out consistently, they'll forget about you after that one ad they saw or that mm-hmm. one mailer or that, that ad in a magazine, like they'll forget about you because they weren't ready to make a decision they'll make a decision in four to six months with whoever's at top of mind when they make that decision. Right. So your job is to cultivate that relationship consistently. So you're always the person they're thinking of. And now when you say way to do that is by video content, doing entertaining and educational stuff mm-hmm. to inform and entertain your audience, because that's what people will remember. And that's what makes people stop. Like in the HVAC world, 
before and after pictures of a heat pump ain't going to get it done. Right. You know, what, what are some better ideas? I was going to say, so when you say putting out content and using platforms, a hundred percent agree. And I know what you're talking about, but yeah. as you know, lots of, you know, lots of contractors, lots of trades, not as well versed with social media or any type of digital marketing because they've been busy doing the work. Yep. Right. So what, what would you, if I was brand new and I was coming to you as a coaching client, you said, okay, you don't have anything right now. Let's get started. How would you walk me through that process of where should I go first? Was the kind of easiest entry? And at the same time, what do you mean by content? Because sure. if before and after pictures aren't enough, what, what is enough? What do you really recommend? No, that's a good question. Um, and, and I think we probably both deal with it a little bit where we're like, we underestimate the different levels of, of knowledge of it and you don't want to get too granular, but it's a great question. So I would start with a business Facebook page and a business Instagram page. I think that's where the average homeowner or consumer is going for information. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so I, people say, do I need a business Facebook page? Some, some tips on that. No one's going to see it unless they're looking for it specifically, unless you put ad dollars behind it. Mm -hmm. So Facebook is a for-profit business and on business pages on Facebook, no, they will not show it to hardly anybody. Like I have a, over a thousand followers on my business Facebook page. If I don't put money behind it, 20 people are seeing it. Right. Like, they throttle that pretty aggressively. You can put a small amount, like a dollar or two a day behind a post, which I'm not going to get into today to build all that out, but it's there for when people search for you. Instagram is a lot easier for people to start to build a relationship because it's easier for you to engage with other pages. Like I'm really big on outbound social media engagement where what that looks like is, is if you're a, let's say an HVAC company and you want to get involved with some of the biggest real estate groups in your region, you would start your business Instagram page and then go engage with those business pages so they can see your name and engage back with you. So you'd go follow their page. You'd like a couple of their posts. You'd comment on some of their posts. Maybe you shoot them a DM, just introduce yourself. And that's a really easy way to get to people who would not normally have answered the phone or answered an email. Sure. So DM is a direct message for all of you out there. No, that sorry. Yeah. So you, would, that you would send them a message on Instagram, right? but really just, Honestly, like following their page and then getting them to follow you back. Cause like if someone follows you more often than not, they're going to follow you would follow them back. Right. So you would engage with their page in some way. So that's, the, that gets you to the content question. What is good content? So one of the simplest ways to start, if you're like, I have no idea what to talk about at the end of every day, I want you to sit in your truck or your van and say, what is the biggest lesson I learned today? And what is the biggest problem I solved today? And nine times out of 10, those lessons and problems that you're engaging with, the majority of the people that would want to hire you are dealing with the same thing. Right. So you, like you would just tell the story, hey, just leaving a client's house and they were really comp you know, complaining because one of their zones, the upstairs in their house was just not getting to the right temperature, but the bottom was. Well, what we found out was the damper here or this here or this heat pump or this other thing. And we were able to solve that today and get their house right back to temperature. If you're dealing with something like that, I'd love to talk to you about it. Nice, nice. That is, tell that's the story. Great. Tell the story and whatever biggest problem or lesson you learned today. Because it could be something simple. Like, don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Like, you could say something like, man, I ran into this. We learned this crazy new thing about these new carrier units that we didn't know before. And now we're reversed in this. Like, if you're dealing with this, maybe your, your technician or the company you've been using doesn't realize of this new technique or this new tool or this new problem. And we learned that today. And now we're ready to talk about that with future clients because we were able to get with Carrier, 
understand what this new problem was, understand what this new part needed is, and now we can help this problem better and more modern going forward. You know, the, talking about the biggest lessons you learned or this new tool you found or this new process you learned because what happens is, is when people start to engage, so you outbound, you follow a bunch of these people, property management companies, uh, real estate agents, maybe contractors, however your, whatever your HVAC business focuses on, but sure. then you start putting out content that shows you're an expert. Because what has historically happened is people get on and say, hey, I'm Mike Claudio with Mike Claudio HVAC and we operate with integrity and we're the best in town and we'll get to you quickly. Well, that works if everybody else is saying, hire me at your own risk, I might take advantage of you, right? But there's no differentiating factors to that. If mm-hmm. People know it's just lip service. But when you start to tell the stories about what you're doing day to day and how you're helping people and the problems you solve, people will learn that you are trustworthy and have integrity and operate effectively and are really good at what you do without you needing to say, we're really great and we operate with integrity because you're just telling people how you operate consistently. And man, that works so much better because ultimately, and I mean this with all due respect, none of your clients give a shit about your backstory. They're only concerned, are you, are you capable and are, are you capable and affordable to solve a problem I have? Right. Right. That's, what, that's all they care. Totally about. agree. That's literally all they care about. Well, cause everybody tells the exact same backstory on paper. And I just had this conversation with somebody yesterday. She's like, well, on paper, your, your quote looks the same as every, these other three I'm looking at. Well, on paper, your company looks the same as all these other companies because y'all, y'all are all have a reputation. You've all got good ratings. You've all got good reviews, except the prices are different. Why should I buy from you? What is different about you versus any of these others? Because it, it all looks the same to me. Well, and I'll simplify this as simple as I can make it. You are your only differentiating factor. People buy people. People don't buy products. They don't buy brands. They don't buy reputation. They buy people. Who do they feel most comfortable with that can solve their problem? And I'll prove it to you. And this is something that like I've been saying for years and it typically helps people click. But if people bought brands and products, Nike would never need a person in one of their commercials. They would only need shoes. Right. But they put LeBron James in there because people buy LeBron James, not Nike. Mm-hmm. Right. So in your, in your world as an HVAC company, I don't care how long you've been in business. Yes, it's great as a credibility checkpoint but it's not the first line of, of, of offense that you're putting in front of people. You are it. Right. Because you know, when, I, when I went from, when I sold that half million dollar remodel project, we were 20% more than everybody else. Mm-hmm. But the client said, hey, you have the least amount of experience and you're the most expensive, but I believe that you care the most and you will be, you will be the somebody I'm, I want to work with for the next six months while we execute this large project. Right, right. No, then that's so powerful. Me, and I, we were going up against like some 60 year old companies in Charlotte. We were a few years old and with no experience in a project that size, but we won it because she trusted Mike Claudio. Mm-hmm. And then when Mike Claudio went from remodeling to roofing, everybody still hired Mike Claudio for whatever they needed because Mike Claudio had built a reputation mm-hmm. and you're no different within your HVAC company. Like a technician could jump companies and not lose a single client. Right. Because they believe in that technician. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, when someone yeah, and says, we see it happen all the time in the industry, of course. All the time. And so be, be incredibly more focused on the name on your back than the name on your chest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's incredibly more powerful and people will buy into that. Well, why would I hire you? Well, you're going to hire me, not my company, not the products. Because, I mean, to be fair, your equipment and products are not competitive. No, they're, everybody, they're everybody all basically the same. Yeah. Yep. So, like, you're saying, hey, why would I hire you? Well, you're hiring me. 
my name, who I am. You would hire me because you believe I'm the best to execute your project effectively and on time. Right. And that's it. Love you, it. You can tell that story effectively. You will win way more than, than you've won to date if you've been focusing on the brand and the background and the integrity and, mm -hmm. and all that. Like it just, people just don't matter. People just don't care. So yep. end every day and either write down or just do a video, sit in your truck. What is the biggest lesson you learned that day or what is the biggest problem you solved that day? And if you just tell that story every day, you will never run out of content because you solve different problems for different people every day. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you for that insight because I know that there are people all the time. That's, that's one of the biggest topics. Uh, well, not just right now. Obviously, it's increased right now because the phones aren't ringing Either they're not ringing quite as much or if companies have been making this kind of content and the, the companies, I was literally talking to a guy yesterday, their company had almost $300,000 in sales yesterday because they have been putting out this massive amount of content for the last two months of here's what we're doing. They're showing pictures all the time. Here's the concerns these people have and pictures all the times with masks and gloves and they're talking about the, hey, check out this cool ozone machine we put in every single vehicle we have so all of our tools can get sanitized between calls. And so for the last two or three months, they've been building that and building that and building that. And people know, hey, if I'm, if I'm going to have a safe visit from somebody, I'm going to call these guys because they're the ones doing it. And so it's 100% proving out right now, literally yesterday in a conversation I had. So that, yeah, that's so powerful. You have to do it consistently. You know, mm -hmm. and, and that's the bit where I think a lot of people get hurt in general is like, it's worse to, to start and stop than to not start at all. Mm -hmm. If it looks like you have two or three weeks of activity and then take two or three months off, people think you just went out of business. Right. So you've got, if once you start, it doesn't need to be every day, but it has to be the same cadence. Like if, when you create a social media structure or a content tree, it's, I, I'm going to have the same cadence or the same schedule every week. Like I'm gonna have this post on Monday this type of post on Wednesday, this type of post on Friday, mm -hmm. and then your audience gets used to the cadence of seeing you. And you'll eventually, if you miss a day, you'll have people be like, Hey man, didn't hear from you today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? It's and, like, and, what's going on? And that, man, that shit happens regularly yeah. with me if yeah. I miss something. Yeah, no, that's so powerful. So powerful. I love it. So when, once the uh, once we've established a good cadence online, social media, start to get some of the awareness out, starting to get top of mind, really starting to develop a fan base, basically building an audience yep. of people who are starting to know, like, and trust you. Of course, that's always been called the uh, the living room effect. That term got coined back in the uh, like 40s and 50s when TV was first coming out. These, all the stars would started complaining to their managers and to their, their producers and their agents and stuff. They're like, hey, I, that's when people initially started, uh, when they were in public, they were all of a sudden stars. And people started really, uh, the, the whole paparazzi effect started to happen. And they're like, man, these people keep coming up to me and acting like they know me. Uh, as if we had been friends forever. And so in that case, that's how that term got coined. But doing a living proof of this at 100%, and, I can, uh, and I'm sure you're having the same experience, and anyone who consistently does content like this, especially doing just Facebook Lives or Instagram Lives or videos, that kind of thing, you will come across people. Um, and one of the, actually, one of the tips that I always give, and it's super easy to do, Everybody in our company has done it. Everybody I coach, we have them do it. Record. It doesn't have to be big or flashy. Uh, just get some little background with your maybe company logo or something. Record on your phone. Make a quick video 
less than a minute of, hi, my name is Sam Wakefield, or my name is whatever. I'm excited to meet you today. I'm excited to serve you. A couple things to think about before our visit. I'll be there here in just a little bit. It'll be great to meet you. Uh, it doesn't have to be any more than that. Even if a headshot can have yeah. accomplished that relatability so that they know who's going to be walking up to their front door, especially with, exactly. the, with the older generation, uh -huh. they're very hesitant of letting men into their homes. So like mm -hmm. just even that picture of a brief description of, hey, can't wait to see you later today would be very powerful. And yeah, yeah, you can so. sit, yeah, you can send just a pre-made thing. It's your picture and a quick bio or a little one minute video. So what yeah, we do is, that's a great idea. Yeah, what we're doing is we're just telling everybody, you know, have it preloaded in a quick little YouTube link. And then just when you make your pre-call when you're going, say, hey, I'm gonna text you this quick video or email it, whatever they prefer. I uh, appreciate it if you watch that before I get there. But what's happening is you're literally, they're expecting you now, as you're walking up to the door, more often than not, people open the door and say, oh, hi, Sam, I recognize you from your video. And how different is that from back when you used to knock on the door and then they would have that hesitance of, yep. who are you again? And, and for the people out there right now saying, well, I'll never get my technicians to do that, you can automate that process through some sort of a mailing campaign or MailChimp or Constant Contact, mm -hmm. or you can set up automations of, send this email to these people on these days uh, right. there. So like, don't think, oh, I'll never get my guys to do that. Like take it to the next level and you can automate that process through a lot of other platforms. Sure, well. sure. Kind of a you know, uh, version of that. Yeah, Service Titan is a, a, a big company like yeah, CRM. CRM for the service industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, process for <laughs> trades and that kind of thing. They That program will actually do this for you. You just have it preloaded. And as yep. soon as the dispatcher hits go, it sends to the people automatically. Yeah. Uh, so it's not even something you have to think about each time. Yep. So if you have that, so many, great ways, so many great ways to connect that the, like our industry as a whole is behind on from a, I'm not even call professionalism, just building a relationship with your client base that makes right. them believe and trust in you and know who you are and be able to refer you better. And you know, is that video going to help you close more deals? Probably. But what it's really going to do is help you get more referrals. So right. back to the, how do we get more leads? the way you make people feel at the beginning and end of your transaction is how they'll remember you period. Mm -hmm. It has yeah. nothing to do with how you handle it in the middle. You'd be the greatest technician in the world, but if you don't say bye or you don't leave something or you don't thank them, they're not going to remember you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's how you start initiate and how you end is really how you start to grow referrals from those people as opposed to, you know, I fixed your air handler really well. No one cares. They don't know, yeah. Yeah. They don't know what right and wrong is. So they're not going to know anything, but it's how did you make them feel throughout the transaction from start to finish, that is really what makes them willing and excited to refer you to other people. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love it. It's good stuff today. So moving past that initial phase there, getting into, and, and this is something I think would, sounds like we need to make this a two-part <laughs> episode. I mean, I um, can talk for days on this stuff. I mean, Oh, that's right. So we, we've hit pillar one, which is <laughs> that attraction. Pillar two is the sorting process, right? Qualification. Yep. Let's cover that and wrap up there and maybe reset a second appointment. We'll talk about pillars three and four, if you're so, okay with that. Yeah, so let me just clarify. So target was pillar two. Identify okay, target. pillar one. We'll, let, we'll, do, uh, we'll do qualify and then we'll go back. We'll do a second one for identify and, and acquire. Yeah, yeah. That'd be good. But all right, so if you're getting leads right now, you know how do you go about qualifying them? You know, some of that is through the way you message through your social media and the, what, what you're saying and how you're saying it and how you're delivering who you're helping and where you're helping. Because 
it's just something simple as saying like, hey, just got finished replacing a unit on a 5,000 square foot house on this side of town or in this neighborhood. Let's those people know that you work in their neighborhood and let's other people know you don't do cheap work. So it right. can qualify out the people who are very conscious of price, which is good for us, right? And then it qualifies you in to people who are like, oh, okay, he's done work in a house my size. I can trust him, right? Because people just don't know. People are very hesitant to hire service companies because it's very difficult right now to, to identify who's going to take advantage of you and who's not. And the bottom line is there are people in our industry that screw people over every day. Right. So the client is, is concerned with that. So the first step is like your passive, what I call outbound qualifiers, which is how you tell the stories of what you do and who you help, because it does subconsciously help people identify themselves. And when you tell that story well, when you do a good job telling the story on what you do and how you do, the, the ideal clients will see themselves as a character in that story, which makes them feel more confident in being helped by you. And it'll help the not so ideal clients identify themselves as not a person that you're interested in helping. And do you qualify out some people you might've been able to help? Yes. But do you qualify in a lot of better clients? Absolutely. And I'll take that, that swing any day of the week. Right. But then when you're, when you're asking questions over the phone, right, it's how are you qualifying them once they identify themselves as someone who's interested in your service? You know, if it's an emergency call, that's a little bit different. I'll be honest. I've never really been in that world. Um, like I, I have not been in the emergency service world for, you know, HVAC, plumbing, electrical, most of the stuff I've sold has been elective. So it's a little bit different because it's more, there's more of a process to it, but there's three things that I think make or break a client transaction that you can uncover on the first call. It's how transparent are they? How flexible are they? And what is their geographic location? Mm -hmm. There's a number of ways to uncover that. Part of it is understanding, do they have a budget? Do they not? Do they have a, like relatability to what it's going to cost? Do they agree to a range of fee before you come out? Do you have an inspection fee or a trip fee that they're willing to abide to? If you're not charging at least a minimum trip fee, you need to be. Like, right. Absolutely, 100%. I know most do. But if you're listening right now and you're saying, no, I'll go out for free, you're the reason you're getting crappy clients. <laughs> so, love it but, but so if you can understand are they willing to be transparent about what's going on if they're like well i don't know what's happening or you know one of the best questions i've ever asked is is what problem are you hoping to solve by contacting me mm -hmm. because when you relate what you're doing to a problem they're experiencing it becomes less about the val like the cost of it and more about the value of it right because if you're saying like hey man like you know my mother-in-law just moved in and she's constantly freezing cold the difference between $500 and $750 for that ain't nothing compared to making her mother-in-law comfortable. It's, again, how you make them feel. How you make them feel, right? So if you can uncover the question of, hey, what problem are you hoping to solve by calling us? Today? Like, hey, can you just come out and look at my stuff? Well, I want to better understand what's going on. Nah, just come on out. That's someone who's not transparent. Like, they're not willing to communicate with you. And if you can't get them to communicate proactively over the phone, what do you think it's going to be like when you, it's time to invoice them? Are you course, tired of chasing money? It's going to mm -hmm. be terrible, right? So then how flexible are they, right? Hey, I need you to come out this afternoon. Well, our next technician's available, let's say, three days from now. Oh, man, I really need somebody today. Well, I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry. I, you know, we don't have anybody available. And if they're not willing to be flexible to your time frame, again, inflexibility shows me that they're not going to be an easy client to work with. Mm -hmm. Is that 100% accurate? Let me clarify this. Nothing in sales in any industry with any client is ever 100% the same way. You can say exactly. the same thing to 10 people and get seven and a half different reactions, period. 
So don't like, what if me or yeah, but me, it works the majority of the time. And I get that a lot. Like, well, what about this one client I had three years ago that, that you, no, stop. <laughs> talk about, I, when, I, when I talk about best practices and sales tips, I talk about the middle 75 to 80%, right? The top 10%, the bottom 10%, you can't make decisions around. They're so far irregular. You have mm-hmm. to focus on that middle 70 to 80%. Yeah. There's always anomalies. There's always anomalies, but what works the most often. And, and when I ask questions, if I don't feel like they're being transparent and flexible, or they're not in a, in a good geographic location for me that I can't effectively manage my existing client base and get to them in a timely fashion to deliver the client experience I would want to deliver. It's not worth doing it. Right. So, and, and here's the part that I think a lot of people underestimate when someone calls you specifically in a reactive environment, like a service company, they are not always looking specifically for you to solve their problem. They're looking for a solution to their problem. So if you tell them, Hey, for what you're looking for right now, we typically range between $1,500 and $2,500 and you get a, Whoa, that's way more than I thought it would be. Hey, why don't you call these two or three other people and just see where they're priced at. If they, if I believe I'm competitively priced and if you find someone way cheaper, by all means, give us a call back. If you don't be okay doing that. Cause I've always used the same example. If someone went to a real estate agent and said, Hey, we have a $300,000 budget for our house. And that real estate agent showed them every possible house they could around $300,000. And that person couldn't find something they wanted. They'll change their budget. Right. It's not your job to meet a client's in really just inaccurate budget. Like they have an improper expectation of what their solution is going to be. That's not your job to meet that. Like just because they've been watching DIY network and HGTV and think for, for 700 bucks, because on that flip house, that one time they only spent 700 bucks, but really it's a $7,500, you know, replacement cost. Right. That's not your problem. It's your job to maintain your business profitability. It's not your job to maintain improper <laughs> cost expectation on the client side. So it's, I'm all about letting them go look around and if they come back great, if, and then I know I have them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So more often, more this often is such not, a good conversation. I'm, I'm so glad we're having this because <laughs> Such a, as we all know, in any trade, any construction, anything, that's the trap that just about everyone at some point in their career gets sucked into of thinking that you need everyone who knocks on your door or rings your phone or sends you an email. We don't need everyone. We don't need a per, we need people. We don't need a person. And just like you were saying earlier, if we're doing a great job of creating the right message and the right idea of who we are and the problems we solve. And again, it's not about a product. It's not about, okay, here's my brand, or it's not about this one type of air condition. It's a two stage and that's what we do. Who cares? It's about solving the problems. And that's and articul- if we can communicate that effectively. Yeah. We'll have more clients than we know what to do with and we'll be able to grow and scale in a way that with the right margins and the right profitability. Period. Not just because we have bigger volume. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you can be all fired up over here. <laughs> yeah. But the biggest thing is, and I think, I think we all experienced this, like I think we've all gotten the calls of thank you for answering. You're the fourth person I've called, right? Like mm-hmm. when we've, all had, we've all had that scenario in some way, shape, or form. So giving them the opportunity to call their people and realize they're not responsive makes that little bit extra. They're going to pay you a lot worth it because they know you're going to be reliable. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've all had that call. Like, hey, man, thank you for answering. You're the fourth person I've called. Um, price just went up. Like yeah. <laughs> nobody's you gotten back to me and you were, we're out right call away. somebody else. You tried that. Like, <laughs> right? so, like true. I mean, 
there's a certain balance there where like there are certain times you have to give money back or a discount because you screwed up. And there are certain times that supply and demand requires that you increase your price a little bit. I'm not saying gouge people. I mean, don't get me wrong here. Like, but sure. adding five or 10% or a few hundred bucks to something because there are plenty of times you have to drop your price because of things you've done wrong. It's business. I mean, yeah, absolutely. demand and, and quality and control and you got to stay profitable. If you're, if you're willing to give people money back, sometimes you have to be willing to overcharge some people sometimes not overcharge, not gouge, but above yeah. what you would normally charge for something. Right. Absolutely. And it's absolutely the market. You know, there's times and every single industry in the world does this. That's the reason anybody has a sale is to incentivize people to move forward. Now they maybe need that extra bump on their books or anything like that. So we, you know, that's the reason for discounts, but I hundred percent agree. That's something that the other side of that, that most people are scared to talk about truly is when it's peak season, does the price go up a little bit or more importantly, do you stay at the price you should already have it priced at and not give additional discounts? And that's how to do it with honesty and integrity. You're not, we're not increasing the price just because it's busier. But it is so kind of foundationally, a great way to do this, everyone, is set a book price, set a standard price that is, okay, look at your entire year on the busiest time of the year, the peak season, you've got craziness going on, what would you want to be able to charge? And set that as your standard all the time price. And then the way you can control it the rest of the time is figure out ways to offer sales or discounts or, or those types of things. Or maybe instead of reducing your price, which you can do because it's always more profitable this way, include another item or two, maybe a couple of accessories you're offering at no extra charge right now. So you're giving them extra value. At the I same like time. that significantly better than discounting. I rather increase the value of a service for the same fee than decrease the cost of that service. Because what, when you do that, a number of things happen. First off, it shows you don't value what you're doing. And so that makes the client not value what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't ask for a discount at the Ferrari place. But, it, but also what happens is, is you get into the discount cycle where you have to because a lot of people are just waiting for the next deal. Mm -hmm. like if you're somebody who's like every other month is offering some sort of discount, why would someone not wait another month to get the mm -hmm. lower price? They would, so then you have to discount to get people to make decisions. So I prefer doing a value add to the baseline service than to discount the baseline service fee. In my opinion, do that as you want, but I think- No, totally you start, agree, totally you start agree. discounting services, you, it's, it's a rabbit hole that you don't know when to stop and eventually you're basically rubbing nickels together to get by because you've mm -hmm. discounted yourself into the ground. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, specifically in the HVAC trade, that's something that one of the biggest topics is slow season comes around and you have all these companies that start just knocking the bottom out of the price just to get the job. When we all know that they are literally paying the client to work for them They're, that project is so far in the red because of where the margin landed just to earn the project. And it's not doing anyone in any, in any of the other companies or themselves any favors. So yeah, hundred percent agree. If you can't be the cheapest guy in town, which you never will be, be the most expensive and offer more value. Yep. Agree completely.
Yep. Oh, I love it. Love it. Good stuff, man. Now we should right do a second one. I think that was a good episode. And I think we should definitely hit a second one on the other parts of what I think are important about it. Oh, totally. Because I could talk for an hour, entire hour about how to run an in-home consultation. <laughs> I love it. Oh, it's so good. Well, cool. So before we wrap up here and uh, yeah, hundred percent, we'll set that up. So for everyone listening, this will be part one of a two-part series that, uh, that we're going to do with Mike Claudio of, and so company name, we, we need to get this out there. Win Rate Consulting. Yes, W I N R A T E Consulting. Uh, so there's a couple places that you can find him. Uh, find where where can they find you, Mike? So a few places I would say uh, Instagrams at WinRate Consulting is where one of my primary content sources are. I also host a podcast called Big Stud Sales. Um, it is an industry specific sales, marketing, leadership type podcast. And I also run a private Facebook group just called Construction Selling. It's really just best practices, tips, and tricks about in-home construction sales. So I'd love to have you guys join. I mean, there's a you have to submit to join, but it's a free group. So, but we, I post pretty regularly. There's a lot. There's a little over 700 members now. So there's always people talking and asking questions about different sales stuff. And you know, ultimately, I think it's a great group for people to get information about what you do every day and how to do it a little bit better. Perfect. Oh, I love that. So WinRate Consulting on Instagram at WinRate Consulting. Big, big stud sales is the podcast name and then the uh, the facebook group one more time the name of the facebook group just construction selling construction selling that's beautiful love it so and if you if you if you are on youtube i also host of course the close it now podcast uh, you can find as well and uh, that's a little more specific to the hvac industry for residential in-home sales but again just like we were talking about earlier the philosophy is the same so all of my people who listen to close it now go find mike a big stud uh, big stud sales and uh, everyone go subscribe follow do all the things. Let's uh, let's help him grow his business as well. And if you need overall, I'm sure that Mike would be willing to do a discovery call with any of you business owners out there, entrepreneurs wanting to grow your businesses. He is just because he hasn't specifically uh, worked in HVAC before does not mean that every single thing that he's talking about is 100% applicable. And that's why I bring in people from other trades and other industries, because if you want to get really get down to it, the HVAC industry is old and boring and everyone has done the same thing too, for too long and it's stale. And so it's time to bring in some new ideas and some new concepts from outside of our industry to bring it some new life and pump it back up. And so there's no reason you can't dominate your market uh, especially right now with everything going on. Uh, we've been talking a lot about virtual sales. We've been doing all kinds of different ways to do no contact appointments from all the way from sales to service to installation. You can literally do every bit of that. No contact. Don't even have to be in the same part of the house as individuals yep. wear protection and people are loving it because it's how we care and how we make them feel. People don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. And that is uh, what happens every single day. So thanks again, Mike, for being on this episode of the Closing Now podcast. And I will we'll reschedule as well for our next one. And uh, okay, everybody, go out there and save the world one heat stroke at a time. Save the world one frostbite at a time. We will talk to you again soon. 
Thanks for listening to Close It Now with Sam Wakefield. Subscribe to the podcast now so you're first to hear new episodes jam-packed with actionable tools and tips to make you the top HVAC professional in your market. If you have friends and colleagues who would like this show, share it with them and send them to our Facebook community for more in-depth discussion about the challenges we all face and how to overcome them on the Close It Now podcast.